Welcome to the Punters Preamble. I'm Simon Zanopoulos. I'll be joined by Jake Altieri. Adam Blenko is still away. And Jake was a little upset with me during the week on Twitter when I said I couldn't wait for Adam to get back. But that's only because of the workload, mate. You did a really good job on the review. And, and I don't think I've seen you this excited. This race in Hong Kong on Sunday, we've had a quick look back through history. I would say this is the best race Hong Kong has seen in 20 years. Yeah, most likely. It's all right. Simo, you don't have to blow me kisses now, mate. It's all good. <laughs> oh, you, you should see how he acts to me in the uh, in the office every day. It's absolutely atrocious. Luckily, HR's on the other side of the office, so they don't get to see it. But no, Hong Kong on Sunday, very, very good. Obviously, the Stewards Cup is the race we're talking about, where three highest-rated horses in the world, equal, will go around and do battle this weekend. We speak of Golden 60, California Spangle, Romantic Warrior, I think if you can split the three on ratings, you're having a bit of a lender yourself. We have Golden Sixly slightly ahead, one two six, but Spangle one two five, Romantic Warrior one two five. Interesting looking at the head to heads. Golden Sixty has beat California Spangle twice in their three meetings, but a neck has separated them on two occasions. He beat him by two lengths in the Champions Mile last year. Romantic Warrior v California Spangle. Romantic Warrior leads that ledger two one. He beat him half a length and a head. And Spangle actually beat him by two and a half in the Hong Kong Classic Cup over 1800 last year. Romantic Warrior has never SP'd ahead of California Spangle in their three meetings. Golden Sixty has started favourite twice against California Spangle. But when you look at the two pairs racing each other, so Golden Sixty v California Spangle, Romantic Warrior v California Spangle, the outsider of that pair has won four of six. So the market has got it wrong nearly every time. That's pretty good. That's some good digging. Who starts favourite? The way I looked at it, you just back the outsider of the three. I think I said that on Monday too in the review that you're better off just backing the outsider of the three. As you said, there's absolutely nothing between them. So whatever whatever the best price is for the three, you're better off taking. And unfortunately, we've already missed the best price on Romantic Warrior. So I don't want him anymore. No, I hope he does jump favourite because I don't want to back Romantic Warrior. I think I do want to back Spangle because looking at that map, he should get all the favours in front. Beauty Joy for me is the one that pretty much has the entire say of this race. We saw in the Hong Kong mile, Spangle went to the front. They went far too slow and he's just a very, very awkward horse where he probably needs the pace on and he just doesn't settle whatsoever. So Huey took off and that's probably what won California Spangle the race. He took off with Beauty Joy were a length apart heading into the straight, whereas they left Golden 60 flat-footed and he couldn't catch him. Do they sort of adopt those tactics this time where they go slow early and kick off the turn at the 800 and try and put that gap back on them? Is Vincent now more acclimatised to it? Is he ready for it this time? I think Beauty Joy holds the key to this race. If he rolls along in front, does California Spangle sit off and use him as a bunny? I think the Tony Cruz pair... What they do with them will shape the outcome of this race. Does Golden 60 settle ahead of Romantic Warrior? California Spangle obviously leads those three. That's the race in terms of who we think can win. It would be a massive, massive boil over if anything else came out and won. But California Spangle should be the first of that trio. Is it then Golden 60 or is Romantic Warrior there? Looking at the barrier draws, Golden 62, you'd sort of expect him to take... Spangles back. I reckon Vincent's probably looking at him as the main danger. Just simply because we've never seen Romantic Warrior back 
in trip. He's gone up in trip throughout his career. This is the first time he's ever stepped down in distance. His trial was pretty good, as you'd expect for a good horse. But I guess that's the little query on him if there is one. 2,000 metres first up, 2,000 metres second up, blew him away. And that was in quick time as well. Does coming back to a mile that could possibly be slowly run hinder his ability to finish off? I guess that's the question. And I I reckon that Karis Teton will just hop onto the back of Golden 60. He knows that the champ will take him into the race when he needs to. And I guess it'll just be, hopefully, a three-way tussle down the straight, four across the track, and Romantic Warrior becoming the widest, I reckon. But I have been wrong many a time before. Just ask my missus. <laughs> it's very, very intriguing to see how this plays out because you touched on Beauty Joy needs to sort of roll or Huey let him go last time. He's drawn one, California Spangle drawn three, Golden 60 in between that pair and Romantic Warrior four. Four of seven for Romantic Warrior, that would scream, I want one, one. Golden 60 gets the coffin. But if Beauty Joy doesn't kick through and lead, suddenly he's three back the fence, which isn't where you want to be. So then does Vincent push to get the one, one and his Romantic Warrior force either snag or roll forward again? You're right. Beauty Joy is the biggest influence in this race because if he kicks up and makes California Spangle push to lead, he gets the coffin. All of a sudden, Vincent's in no man's land if Romantic Warrior hunts to get the 1-1. I'm not sure if Vincent Ho will let him have the 1-1. He shouldn't. Because we've seen the last couple of times these two have versed, Vincent's very, very keen on getting onto the back of California Spangle, whatever it means. Yeah. And I think it'll be the same thing again today. He knows that Zach rides the Chartin better than anyone. You see it every week in the sectional times. And... You think he, that's what I was saying earlier, where I think he knows that or believes that California Spangle is his biggest danger. And if he's within a length of him turning for home, he's just going to reel him in. And that could play into the hands of Karis Teton back aboard Romantic Warrior, where he'll just track Golden 60 wherever he goes. And hopefully he has enough turn of foot or enough sprint as we're expecting them to go slow early and be fast finishing to run over the top of him back to a mile. I don't think Romantic Warrior can beat Golden 60 home if he settles behind him. And you touched on Tony Cruz, Trains, Beauty Joy and California Spangle. Zach will want to lead, which means Beauty Joy lands in the coffin. Golden 60 has to get the 1-1 from two. And then Romantic Warrior, although four, if he's forced to go back behind Golden 60, I, I don't think he can run down Golden 60 let alone California Spangle, who's going to be a length in front of that. So it's only a small field. The map is quite influential, certainly, I think, in the result. And if you're settling last of the trio, I don't think you can beat the other two. There's nothing between them. So giving up an advantage in running is going to be massive in the result. I'm not sure who starts favourite. Romantic Warrior is favourite at the moment with the corporates, but I'm not sure. I don't think that'll be right. I think California Spangle will start favourite. Golden 60 probably splits. Golden 60 is probably the outsider. Romantic Warrior will probably be second pick. But if he settles behind Golden 60, I don't think he can win. And if Zach gets his own way in front on California Spangle, it's going to be very, very interesting. It's, I mean, what a race it'll be. Probably the best race anywhere in the world, including the Pegasus. And obviously, as we said, the three highest rated horses going around anywhere in the world this weekend will all face each other and... I don't really think that's happened 
any time we've been on this podcast before. No. Yeah, this is what you want. You want your heroes lining up against each other. You've got the old champ going 16 and two up-and-comers, Romantic Warrior and California Spangle, all racing there. So, hell of a race. Interesting to see what the market does. And the speed map is obviously very crucial in this race. All the form is available at Racing and Sports. We've also got the live feed if you want to watch that, all the trackside information. And, of course, you'll be putting out your selections on Twitter and on the website. Yep. You can find them also on your local bookmaker as well, whoever you bet with. Hopefully, it's with uh, one of the ones racing in sports supplies. And you can find my selections there. Of course, not only the Stewards Cup there on Sunday, but also the four-year-old Classic Mile. A very, very interesting race where you could probably look a little bit outside of the market for one that you like. Bonza Perla at 23s or 25s. At the moment, she seems ridiculously over the odds, but we'll find out more on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, that's for sure. You can only pick one of the big trio. Who are you picking? Golden 60. I think he mapped the best. He's always done this where he lost two in a row last year. They went away from him in the market. He smacked their face in the next start. Vincent knows him well. He'll get him in the right spot. He'll peel out well. He'll know all the things that Zach throws at him. He's thrown many a thing at him from now. And especially last start where they went quick from the 800, left him flat-footed. He'll know what's coming. And I think the champ will take his crown back. I hope so too. When Golden Sixty just got him two back, Zach got away with absolute murder in front on California Spangle and Golden Sixty was still able to reel him in. He's got the best turn of foot, Golden Sixty. So if Zach wants to slam the brakes on, I think that's advantage Golden Sixty. And Romantic Warrior, I don't think, can sprint with Golden Sixty either if he settles behind him. Let's hope Golden Sixty is the outsider. Well, I'm backing him anyway. Should be a cracker. The turning point of that is too, that if he goes too hard, Romantic Warrior will just fly over him late too. So... He's been stuck between a rock and a hard place, is Zach Purton, but there's done better in the business over there and no doubt he'll get everything out of California Spangle, that's for sure, but all cheer, Golden 60. We seem to think we know a lot about the Stewards' Cup. Well, we like to think we do. One thing we don't know, this week's Dunno lines up in race five at the Valley on Saturday. Mama Ragan on debut for Nick Ryan. This is the easiest race, this horse, has ever contested, and Blake Shin is the only jockey to have ever won aboard Marmaragan when he won on debut. He hasn't won since. And he links back aboard there on Saturday. 1,000 metres, you couldn't ride him any colder in his jump outs. Nick Ryan is a freak, but this is the ultimate test. Can he get Marmaragan back into the winner's door? I tell you what, he doesn't have to beat much, does he? No. nothing scary at all and when he strolls around in that mounting out and has a look at what he has to beat because he's been racing far far better horses in sydney they've picked out a really nice race for him barrier nine they've chopped and changed with his racing pattern throughout but i feel his best runs have been when he's been ridden stone cold and that's how they've been riding him in his jump outs so from that draw you expect blake just to snag and I reckon he can round him up. But is that, what am I doing? Is that stupid? Probably not. Sometimes Blanco says that what they were at two years old is just them. They came on the scene quick and that's as good as they have been. I guess Ayrton's the best one or the best example for that. But Mamoragans never run up to those figures ever again. And if anything, just continually got worse. He's definitely no charlatan. 
is hopefully better than that. And um, Nick Ryan, as you said, an absolute freak, especially with these tried horses, getting them off other trainers and turning them into something special. He's still a young horse, only 20 starts into his career. And would he even have to improve on the numbers that he's been running his last couple of preps to be beating this lot? No. He's third behind Dragonstone, beaten just under two lengths. If he runs up to that form, he will absolutely kill them, which is going to be hard from last over 1,000 in the Valley. But how big a drop in grade this is, I don't think has been emphasised enough. These are absolute walkers compared to the horses he's been racing in Sydney. I mean, he's a bit of a milk drinker, but Shin might be able to trick him enough to get over the line here. Well, Shin's very, very good at that. We saw him on going back to Hong Kong on Russian Emperor outdo Golden 60 that day in the wet. He's good at pulling one out of the hat. And as you said, he's the only one to win on Mamoragan. So if there's something in that, there could be. He might be the Glynn of the South from now on. So Jean Valjean, the favourite, its last win was off a 64 at Morfordville in Adelaide. Since trialled well, Jamie on from a good draw, but... I mean, that's nothing to be scared of. And stay in touch. The third pick has been fair, I guess, in two runs back. Just never really got in the hunt at Sandown last start. Johnny Allen switches aboard. But, yeah, Mama Ruggin, you're not running scared of these. But is he a milk drinker? Is he ever going to get back to where we thought he could be? Is he just a great thinker? <laughs> he might be a great thinker. But Nick Ryan, yeah, I've loved his jump outs. He did nothing in all of them, which is they've getting him ready for a first up kill, I would say, or at least get that confidence back, as a lot of trainers like to talk about. And he won't get many easier chances than what he faces at Mooney Valley on Saturday. It is a bit of a dunno because, well, he hasn't won since his debut, and I'm sure many are happy to label him a bit of a cat. But in saying that, this is well within his reach. Well, I mean, if every dog has their day, surely every cat has their day too. <laughs> that is and, true. and this could be his. I mean, they all said the same about Kementari. Mm. And now look what he's done. I mean, all he needed was to be two stone lighter, apparently, and fire a couple of blanks in the process. But as you said, no race that he's faced, or no race that he's been in has been as easy as this. And I tell you what, like you said, the top pick coming out of a nothing race in Adelaide, that screams bet for me. Yeah. So we do know we're having a bet but I don't feel good about it at the same time. Well, no, it's like all those people, as I said, getting caught into charlatan every time he goes around. Yeah. Poor buggers. The Bizarro comes up in Sydney, race eight, the Expressway Stakes, Golden Mile, 220. That's bizarre for me. I've had a dig back through looking at previous winners of the Expressway. Three-year-olds have an amazing record in this race. They've won five of the last 20 while providing just 5% of the participants. So they won five times their share. So I can easily see people wanting to latch onto that. Overpass won this race last year, Standout in 2020, Trapeze 2018, Happy Galaxy 2013, and Mentality 2007. Overpass and Standout were both rated 109 going into the race. Golden Mile's rated 114. I think that's my biggest chink with Golden Mile. His record is far better than what he's rated. He's 114. Animo went into this race last year as the 5-4 to favourite. He was rated 123 off the guineas in the Cox Plate. And now Golden Mile turns around the year later and he's the same price as Animo. You're backing a far inferior animal in the expressway on the weekend. Animo got beat in the expressway, which I think is worth noting. James is all about the big grand finals 
Golden Mile's not going to be screwed down. He's only had one soft trial. I know James McDonald aboard, but it's bizarre. I do have to concede this is the weakest expressway we've seen, I'm going to say ever, or at least in the last 20 years. Looking back, this is the first time we haven't had a horse rated equal to or greater than 120. The average this year is 103. Last year it was 112. In 2019, it was 124. How's this for a race? Elise beat La Romaine, Dothraki, Trapeze Artis and Hartnell. That's a race. They could do dead set cartwheels and still beat some of these. Start facing the other way, you reckon? They could win in reverse. Forbidden Love should have won this race last year. She was unlucky. And then she went on for super prep. She came back. She's been disappointing. But looking at her profile, so summer and autumn, she's had 14 starts for six wins and two placings. And then winter and spring, she's had 14 starts for only two wins. She has run 113 or better four times in her career. They all came in the summer or autumn months. Is she season to season? You obviously know a lot more having worked with horses. Is that actually a thing that they could be better in certain seasons? What do you think? I mean, it can be. Again, I guess we're stushing on Hong Kong a lot, but John Size and Waikuku over there, he doesn't go a yard prior to Christmas and then come into April when they're warmer months, he starts picking back up again. With a mare like her, though, I guess it could be in the spring is obviously their breeding time. When she gets in season, maybe it's a bit like a cult where her mind's not on the job and she's thinking about other things. But she's seen wet tracks in that period as well, so we can almost rule out that factor. Is it just that they think she's as good as the other horses that she's up against and she's really not? I guess we'll find out on Saturday what the case is with her and you might be right, it might just be a seasonal thing where in the autumn she's all focused on racing and she doesn't have any sort of side thoughts or little angel on her shoulder telling her that the grass might be greener on the other side. As I said, she should have won this race last year. She was unlucky, got locked away on the fence. And I think she's trialled as well as she did going into this race last year. She trialled really well behind Nature Strip. And then her recent trial, I thought, was very good. I'm happy to mark her favourite in this. Golden Mile 220 for me is absolutely disgusting. You've been off Golden Mile pretty much since his first start, really, haven't you? He was obviously a really good run first up behind Caboo, and then he won well second up, fourth in the Golden Roads, won the Caulfield Guineas, won the Calendar Presnell. How can you have such a strong opinion against, you know, a winner? He's four from six. He's won the right races. He's ran in the right races. But... His ratings don't justify his position in the market on the weekend, I think. He started a bigger price to beat Communist when last seen. He started 230 in the calendar president and they want to serve up 220 against Forbidden Love. Maria May is fit and had the run. She doesn't have as big a peaks as Gold Mile, Forbidden Love, but if either of them come off their form, she's right there as well. These are the two best horses Gold Mile's raced away from the Golden Rose. Can't knock. Joe Pride either with Maria Mia. As soon as he saw that Noms had been extended, he threw one in straight away and said, Timmy Clark's on board. And just quietly, we're sort of hoping that Spacewalk can frank that form earlier in the day, surely. Bizarro was almost a bizarro, the fact they do run here, but it's a fair push from the stable because I thought he'd be really hard to beat in the benchmark race earlier. That would have been against Spacewalk and Kalino, but that looked a, a far better race for him. But the fact the stable want to run in the better race is a fair push for him as well, although he's a fair way off. The top two, and he's single figures. So that really explains how weak this race is. But 
If Forbidden Love is anywhere near her best here, Gold Mole can't beat her. Or he'd have to run a new peak, which for me would be unlikely given that got a big prep coming up. James doesn't screw these horses down. Animo was right off his peak in this race last year. So if Golden Mile's off his peak of 114, he's ripe for the taking. And that being said, Forbidden Love for me is the bet. Two questions. Forbidden Love, Matt being one, where does she get to? And two, Karen McAvoy, do we really want to be finding him? Yeah, looking at the official speed maps with Racing South Wales, she leads from one. And I think Kieran just has to hold on, doesn't he? We've thought the same about a couple of horses in the in the last couple of weeks, namely Spacewalk being one. <laughs> I think it's it's pretty straightforward for McAvoy on the weekend. Drawn one, kick up and lead. She showed really good speed in a recent trial. And leaders around Rose Hill, you know, she should take some catching. A gold mile is going to be giving her a start. And I think if, well, certainly if Forbidden Love is right on talent, he's conceding a fair bit to her. I think it's bizarre that he's so short. I don't think he starts favourite. I think Forbidden Love will start favourite. And hopefully the good horses aren't too far away because, as mentioned, the worst expressway we've seen. Well, even when the noms came out, there was only four of them. You saw it straight away and went, well, you know Golden Mile's going to be favourite, but you already knew Forbidden Love was the better horse. And it's a bit like, well, you'd be dumb to back Golden Mile to beat her. She's just got to run up to what you said in her run last year. Week as race, lead, win, put the money in the account, I reckon. That's so. Speaking of money in the account, what's your best bet this weekend? I didn't mind the look of Thalassophile early on in the card at Rose Hill on the weight adjusted figures here at Racing and Sports. She seems pretty clear of the rest of them. J-Mac going on for Ben Cohen. No disrespect to Ben Cohen, but who would you prefer to have on board? Hopefully she can just get a bit of extra luck this time around. Obviously very unlucky last start early in the straight. Had to change course a couple of times and hit the line nicely. Stays at 2,000. So pretty keen to be with Thalassophile early on in the card there. Race four at Rose Hill. On Sunday in Hong Kong, obviously a bit difficult to have any sort of hard opinion with no markets available until Sunday morning, about 10 a.m. Australian Eastern, they come out. From what we can see early on, they've already got the Stewards Cup and the four-year-old Classic Mile priced. Keefe, $5 there in the four-year-old Classic Mile, looks a decent bet, coming through probably the best races of anyone there on Sunday but also Sweet Encounter at an each-way price, about $12, $13, I think, currently. He can run a big race each way. John, um, John Size has brought over Ryan Moore to ride four of his horses and Sweet Encounter being one. He comes through one of the main lead-up races. It was a four-year-old restricted race, a Class 3. He gave them all weight and beat all but the 101 shots that day. The time looks pretty good, and I think he can serve it up to them as well. So... $12 or $13 about Sweet Encounter each way in the four-year-old Classic Mile seems the way to go there. I think that's race nine at Chartin on Sunday. Beautiful. And you, Simo, playing in Sydney? Playing in Sydney. I do have a tip in Melbourne. With Adam away, I had to do the final report, so I've done the form down there. But race three for me, Wineglass Bay, European import for Chris Waller, who I thought was really good in his Australian debut. Not sure he loved the heavy track that day at Rose Hill over 1,500. Only had the one trial going into it, so you could argue he's a bit soft. Onto a heavy track, only narrowly beaten, open a good improvement. James McDonald goes aboard. 
and you mention our weight adjusted ratings, he sits top off that Australian debut. I suspect he can only improve, and if that being the case, he'll be too good for them. So race three, number seven, Wineglass Bay, my best in Sydney. Best in Melbourne, comes up in the last. Worst fold, really impressive in two starts back this time in. He was left with plenty to do last start and really launched ladies. Sectionals suggest there is plenty more to come. For the Nick Ryan stable, Blake Shin legs back aboard, middle draw. He gets the perfect run. Interesting race because Victory Bay, a Pendrith winner, lines up in the race, but barrier 10, Jamie Carr likely has to go back again. If that being the case, I don't think she can spot it a start and run it down. The Elevators has got our Verdun, which was huge at a massive price first up, but being the Elevator, you'd imagine comes off that peak. And if that being the case, I think they're the two main dangers in the race. And I've got chinks on both of them. That being the case, Worsfold is clearly the best at the Valley. Inside 2-1 to one at the moment, I think he will get better than that on the day. But he looks to be the standout in the quaddy down in the Valley. And it's great to see you uh, pronouncing an AFL great's name correctly. <laughs> is that who it is? Yeah, that shows how much I know AFL. Anyway, that wraps us up this week. We'll be back with the review show on Monday. As mentioned, anyone wanting to watch the full Hong Kong coverage, we will have the live stream available on the Racing and Sports website on Sunday. Jake will be putting his tips out. You can't breathe without them. And it should be one hell of a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in.